Lawson, thank you very much. We go to the land of make-believe. Let's pretend that before he passed, my father gave me $100 million with one stipulation. I was to build the best greenhouse in the world. Now, he died in 1983, so $100 million was a lot more money in 1983 than it is now. And maybe you could build the best greenhouse in the world. And so the temperature and the humidity and everything, the lighting, just have to be perfect. And I decide to grow flowers in the greenhouse. I have it built, almost spend every dime. And I ask you to go to an abandoned field to help me collect some seed for the greenhouse. Instead of going to the internet or the Burr Pea Catalog, remember the Burr Pea Catalog? Instead of going there, I ask you to go with me to the abandoned field and just gather some seeds that we can just find. Dandelion, ragweed, thistle, and, and whatever else we can grab. Maybe some kudzu, because we know it grows well in the south. And you begin to question me, as you should. David, I thought you wanted to grow flowers. I do. Then don't you think you should get some flower seed? And I respond, do you have any idea how much they charge for seeds? And, and I have to wait. I don't want to wait any longer. These are free. Let's just get this instead. Everyone knows we reap what we sow. And it's easy to see that in a greenhouse, in that controlled environment. It's very easy to see, well, that's going to grow because that's what's planted. And we tend to forget that that's true in our hearts. That what grows and what comes is what goes in and what is planted. So think of your mom today as your heart as a gift from your father. A greenhouse. And it is perfectly suited for growing. And like a greenhouse, your heart has to be managed. Your thoughts are the seeds. And some thoughts become flowers. Other thoughts become weeds. Ever wonder why some people are so positive and optimistic and loving? Could it be they've sown the seeds of goodness and are enjoying the harvest? And then the other side, the people that are so gloomy and have such a sour outlook and a bad attitude, could it be that they've sown seeds, bad seeds in their lives? I heard a story about a man coming home from the office at 6 o'clock and his wife met him at the door. And for two hours she nagged and complained. He tried his best to change her, but just to no avail. And finally he said, I'm going to go outside and let's start over. You ever done one of those? I'm going to go outside and we're going to start over. So he went out, walked in the door, and she said, why are you coming home at 8 o'clock? It's two hours late. Don't you think you should come? Well, she had a harvest of weedy thoughts. I remember years ago buying, I think it was an anniversary, gift for Jeannie. I was in a jewelry store in Aberdeen, Mississippi, and I asked Mr. Buxton, who was behind the counter selling me the necklace or whatever, you think it'll make her happy? And I think I've told you this story before because it's so etched in my brain. A lady named Margaret behind me said, in a few years you won't care. <laughs> she did. 
She had some seeds in her greenhouse that needed some Roundup. <laughs> so we have to be careful with our thoughts. Proverbs 4, 20 to 27 tells us this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them. And healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In the Old Testament and in the New, the word heart means your intellect, your emotions, your will, all of you. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, and 19? But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For the heart, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, death, lying, and slander. So Jesus is saying, be careful with that heart. So today, in modern language, we might define the heart as a command center, or mission control, if you will, control time. But the focus is on verse 4 of Proverbs 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. One modern translation puts it this way. Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. That's true. I read this illustration recently. Suppose I ask you to take care of my house while I'm out of town for a month or two. You pledge to keep everything in great shape and make sure it's fine. But when I return, it's in shambles. The carpet's torn, the walls are filled with holes, the furniture's all broken. And your explanation is not very impressive. Well, some fugitives came by and they needed a place to stay. And then there was the rugby team that needed an indoor practice facility. And then that fraternity needed a place for their party. And as the owner, I have a question. Don't you know how to say no? This is not your house. You don't have the right to let everyone who wants to enter. You ever think God wants to say that to us? You ever think God wants to say that to us about our heart? Remember the children's song, Be careful little eyes what you see, Be careful little ears what you hear, Be careful little mouth what you see. Remember that? Be careful little feet where you go. Some of you don't remember that. Anybody remember that? Okay, I'm not making it up. I just wanted you to have verification. It's not just something I made up. I think it could have come from these verses. Uh, ears is, a, is in Proverbs 4.20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. We all know the importance of listening to the right things and avoiding listening to the wrong. Eyes is covered in verse 21 and in verse 25. Verse 25, don't lose sight of them, God's word. Let them penetrate deep into your heart and then look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Uh, it's important what we look at. It's important what we stay away from looking at. The mouth is covered in verse 24. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. We were in a restaurant uh, the night after I got the text. Um, and there was a group at the table next to us that included small children, four adults, two little ones, 
this high or so. And some of the adults are using language that they shouldn't use, especially around little children. And my wife's a school teacher, of course, and she thought, they're going to get a call in kindergarten saying, you know, little Johnny is saying, Bleep. and the mom and dad said, well, we don't know where he goes. Yeah, well, he's just repeating what he heard from you. We have to be careful what we say. Feet are covered in verse 26 and 27. Telling us to be careful where we go. Verse 26, mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the straight path, the safe path. Verse 27, don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And how do we do this? We do this by guarding our hearts and thinking about every decision that we make. Guard your heart for above all else for it determines the course of your life. So in protecting our heart, and if we're a Christian, there's something that we have to ask, who does my heart belong to? Because once upon a time, if you meant it, you gave it to Christ. Does it belong to me, or have I given it away? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this about Christians. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. We've given that to God. So we have to be so careful to whom or to what we open the door of our heart. Anger shows up and we let it in and then bad seeds are sown. Hatred needs a place to say we pull up a chair and it takes root. Jealousy wants to visit so we let her in and lust rings a bell so we take them to the back. And if we're not careful, the wrong kinds of things take over the greenhouse and, and you've seen that. I want to look at a few examples in scripture about hearts that were guarded, some that were not. Jesus is such a great example in Matthew chapter 16 beginning verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. God's plan, that's why he came. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Sounds like something Peter would have done. Jesus gave Peter a very not politically correct answer. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Wow. Doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? That's pretty harsh. Get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You're saying things merely from a human point of view, not from God. What Jesus is doing here is guarding his heart. He would not let Peter turn him away from God's plan. He knew he had to do what he had come to do. And he did not allow Peter to sow any seeds of any other pathway. We have to do that, though. When I was in college, I played the guitar and sang a lot. And I learned a lot of things by James Taylor and Dan Fogelberg. They were the big ones when I was in college, of course. And there was a restaurant in Columbus, Mississippi, called The Depot. Actually, it was a bar. And a friend of mine had a, a friend of mine, I just heard it was a bar. A friend of mine who owned a music store said, David, I can get you a job singing at the depot at night during dinner for people. Um, and they would pay you, and it was an exorbitant amount in the early 80s, $200 a night, just something that was just very attractive to me at the time. And I just couldn't do it. I didn't know how strong I would be in the faith. 
And I thought my feet shouldn't take me there. And I had to guard myself. We all have our stories. I knew that God had other plans for me. I suppose I learned this verse that contains such great truth. Uh, at, in this church or in the church across the street when I was a child or the house across the street when I was a child. Psalms 119.11, you learned this one early probably if you grew up in church. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not stand against you. It's so important that we keep his word in our heart. But unfortunately, we all have stories where we did not guard our heart. Several years ago, I met with a, a, a straying husband. That's the best way I that knew better than the new one he did. And he came into my office and he told me these exact words. He said, David, I didn't guard my heart. And the consequences were devastating to his family and to the community. It had a ripple effect all around. You remember this story from 2 Samuel chapter 11. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed, was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find where she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and she's married to Uriah the Hittite. David let his heart go, and weeds grew, and all sorts of difficulties came, and you know the rest of the story. David didn't guard his heart. I thought about another New Testament example. We, we looked at a little bit of the scripture the other day, and I didn't tell you the rest of the story. Do you remember why Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land? Do you remember why he wasn't allowed? And a lot of people say it's because he murdered the Egyptian. Is that what you would say? You wouldn't say that. You know. Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 to 12. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped in Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And the people blamed Moses and said, If we'd only died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die, along with our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. So Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle, where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff, assemble the entire community, and as the people watch, speak to the rock over there. Speak to the rock. And it'll pour out its water. You'll provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did it. He was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord, and he dared some of the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you'll not lead them into the land that I'm given. What Moses do? Instead of speaking to the rock like God said, he hit it twice. And instead of giving God credit for it, he kind of took it himself. Look what I'm going to do for you. And there were horrible consequences. He couldn't even make it to the promised land. And why? Anger 
He left that open into his heart, into his green owls. And he, it, it seems insignificant, doesn't it? That's what sin does to us. And if we don't guard our hearts, we're in trouble. There's so many examples. So today I want to encourage you to guard your heart. It affects everything. If you have messed up royally, and we all have it, I want to share and end with a beautiful prayer that King David wrote after he didn't guard his heart with Bathsheba and committed adultery and had her husband killed. <coughs> it's found in Psalm 51. David wrote after he didn't guard his heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You're justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward beings. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. And then verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Let's pray again.